what's up? How's everybody doing? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Dafhei, Dafav Masechta Yoma, the great Masechta of Yoma. Um, so the beginning, I'd say the first half of the Daf, the first Amud of the Daf, it discusses the Machlokas that we got to at the very end of yesterday's Daf, which is Machlokas between um, Rabbi Yochanan and was it Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina? No, Reb Chanina. All right. About who can tell me what it was about? About when it comes to miluim, what's ma'akev? Is it everything that's written by the miluim is ma'akev, and therefore whatever would be applied to the quarantine of the kain gadol before Yom Kippur? Also, if you if you don't do any of those things, or not just the quarantine, but the avoda, yeah, not just the quarantine, but also the avoda of Yom Kippur. Um, you know, anything that's written by the miluim would have to be done. By Yom Kippur, or maybe it's only things that were relevant for future generations and were ma'akev, i.e., were um, what's what? How do you translate ma'akev? Were um, I don't know, obligatory um, um, for future generations. And so we're going to have four opinions on what exactly are these things that may have been written by the miluim, but may or may not be. Um, well, specifically, I guess would not be ma'akev for future generations. That is the first. Amud of today's daf. The second Amud of today's daf describes like a few different things. Um, at the end, though, we get to a discussion about like the articles of clothing, I guess you could say, of the coin gadol. It's a little bit more technical than that, but uh, that's what we have in store for today's daf. We're going to begin all the way at the end of daf Dalaramud Bays, my Benayu, and we're already at the top of daf Hayamud Aleph. So, what the Gemara wants to know is, like I had said a minute ago, what exactly are examples of something that was written by the Miluim, but um, is not Me'akev in the future? And let's just define Me'akev right now so that we could just use it going forward. Me'akev, uh, yeah, I, I, right, just like I was struggling a second ago to translate it, I don't think that I came up with a better word in the meantime. But Me'akev means that, um, it means that if you don't do it, that's a problem. Okay, it's something that must be done. So we're saying that only things that must be done in the future generations are things that um, have to be done by uh, the Vodan Yom Kippur. But if it's something that in future generations does not have to be done, so then by Yom Kippur, if you didn't do it, it's okay, right? So that was one opinion. The other opinion being that no, anything that's written by the miluim must be done by Yom Kippur, and if you don't do it, it is a problem, even if it's something that, like, in general, in future generations, would not be ma'akev. And the Gemara wants to know, what are these things that, in future generations, are not ma'akev, that may or may not be a problem by Yom Kippur? Does that make any sense at all? I hope. So, Amr of Yosef. You know, it's interesting. When's the last time we saw Rav Yosef? You know, Rav Yosef is a classic Amor. It comes up all the time in Shas. Yet, I feel like we haven't seen him. Did he come up at all in Masech Tashkalim? It's interesting that, like, you know, uh, the characters are different. The rabbis are different. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot. Did Abaye come up at all in Masech Tashkalim? Interesting. Many of the Amoraim from Bavel that we're used to um, do not appear in, in, in the Babylonian, in the Jerusalem Talmud, interestingly. But but what is interesting, Lamai, is that many of the characters that we saw, many of, maybe we shouldn't say characters, many of the Amoraim, that we saw in, in, in Shkalim, we see in the Bavli as well, which is interesting, right? The, the, the Amoraim from Bavel, we didn't really see in the Yushalmi. Did we see Abaye at all? Did we see 
Yosef at all? Did we see Rava at all? I don't think so. But, I don't know, Rebchia Bar Abba, right? They called him Rebchia Bar Ba. But he came up all the time. He comes up in, in, in Bavli as well. Rebchia I think he came up a whole bunch. Rebzeira, is Rebzeira the same as Rebzeira? Because he was in both Eretz Yisrael and Bava. So it's interesting to see who was, who was and who wasn't. Let's go weiter. I'm Rav Yosef, Smicha Ayu. So it says Rav Yosef, Smicha is an example of something that in future generations is not Ma'akev. And therefore the, there will be a Machlokas about if you have to do Smicha on Yom Kippur. What if you didn't? Well, of course everyone agrees that you have to, but what if you didn't? Does it mess everything up? So if you say that anything that's written by the Miluim is Ma'akev by Yom Kippur, so then yes, if you don't do smicha, then you're, you're in trouble. Or you could say, yes, but smicha is not something that if you, you neglect to do it by a korban, it ruins everything. So maybe then, you know, if you didn't do that on, on Yom Kippur, it would be okay. What's smicha? Smicha is that when you bring a korban, you have to lean on it first. If you bring a korban, you lean on your korban first. So Amr of Yosef says of Yosef, Smicha Ika Benayu, that an Afkamina, something that is not Ma'akiv the Doris, is Smicha. So if you're of the opinion that anything written by the Miluim is going to be Ma'akiv by Yom Kippur, well then Smicha is Ma'akiv. But if you say that something that in the future is not Ma'akiv, so it is also not Ma'akiv by Yom Kippur, so then, smicha lo ma'akva. Well then, if you didn't do smicha on Yom Kippur, it's okay. It's not ideal, but it's, but it's okay. How do we know that in future generations, leaning on your korban before offering it is not ma'akiv? The Tanya is, we learn in the price of a samach The Pasuk says that you will lean on your korban and you will have a, an, an atonement, an appeasement. To which the Gemara says, what does it mean that v'samach v'nirtza? What does it mean that you'll do smicha, you'll lean on your korban, and then you'll get and then you'll get appeasement? I thought that it's not about the smicha; it's about the zrika sadam. That's what I thought. The atonement comes through the zrika sadam when you throw the blood on the mizbeach. That's when you get kapara. Shneimar the pasuk says ki adamu that it is through the blood that you get atonement. So what's pshat with v'samach v'nirtza? That if you make smicha remnants of a mitzvah, i.e., you leave it out, you don't do it. So we treat it as though you didn't get atonement, meaning it's certainly bidiyeved, but nonetheless, you get a kapara. Right? So therefore, so v'samach v'nirza is basically illustrating how important it is to do smicha. That if you don't do smicha, it's as if you didn't get atonement. But the fact of the matter is that you did get atonement. So that's an example of something that is uh, not ma'akiv l'doris. That's what Rav Yosef offers. Rav Nachum B'Yitzchak Omer says, Rav Nachum B'Yitzchak, you know an example of something that is not ma'akiv l'doris? Tnufa, waving. That when you bring a korban, so I believe that it's dafka, the tnufa of the emurin, but there could be other variations there. But at least let's say when it comes to the emurin, at least of certain korbanis, you like pick it up and you, I think with the Kohen, you kind of wave it around. So, so I think it's specifically like parts of the korban, although it's possible that maybe there are even ways to do tenufa, like with a whole animal. Honestly, the mice, I'm not sure. 
when it comes to tenufa, so 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 this is something that is not ma'akev l'doris. That's enough. So if you say, well, anything that's written by the Miluim is going to be Ma'akib by Yom Kippur. So then, well, it says Tenufa by the Miluim. So you have to do Tenufa by Yom Kippur. What do you want me to tell you? However, if, according to the opinion that something that in future generations is not Ma'akib, well then, Right, so if it's not ma'akim in future generations, then it's not ma'akim by Yom Kippur. So then, if you didn't do tenufa by Yom Kippur, it's, it, it, you know, life goes on. How do we know that tenufa for future generations is not ma'akim? The Tanya, as the Apostle says, l'snufa l'chaper. There will be a, uh, you know, that you wave it l'chaper to get atonement. And again, same kasha. What do you mean that the tenufa that the waving is the kapara. I thought that the kapara comes from the blood. As the Pasuk says, that uh, it's the blood that gives you kapara. Then why does it say that the waving gives you kapara? That if you left out the tenufa, you made it remnants of the mitzvah, you didn't do it. So we treat it as though you didn't get atonement, meaning we, we, we frown upon it. However, at the end of the day, v'chiper, you do get your kapara. So we see that tenufa is not ma'akev, even though it is not ideal to skip it. Rav Papa Amar says, Rav Papa Prishas Shiva Ikebenayu says, Rav Papa, uh, um, the seven day quarantine is an afkamina, something that is not ma'akev lidoris. So if you say that anything written by the miluim is ma'akev, so then, well, it says by the miluim, that Aharon and his children went to the Mishkan for seven days, i.e. quarantine. So, so you also have to quarantine by Yom Kippur for all generations. But if you say that something that for future generations is not Me'akev, um, so then, you know, it would be okay if you skipped it by Yom Kippur. Well, then it's not Me'akev by Yom Kippur. Fine. How do we know that for future generations, quarantine is not ma'akev? From the fact that our Mishnah says that we set aside a backup, but we don't require him to quarantine, well then clearly what that means is that if a psul happens with the Kohen Gadol, who's our preferred choice, we then default to the backup, even though the backup didn't quarantine. So we see that quarantine is not a hard, fast requirement. Okay, which is interesting that we're deferring to quarantine, uh, meaning to referring to the fact that the Mishnah says maskinin versus mafrishin to teach that Lidoris, it's not ma'akev, because the question is, how do we know that Lidoris, the quarantine is not ma'akev? Kilu, when it comes to Tnufa, when it comes to um, Smicha, how do we know that Lidoris is not ma'akev? From the Gezeris HaKasuf, it says in the Pasuk, V'samach v'nirza, l'snufa l'chaper, but how do we know that quarantine is not ma'akev from the fact that it's taught in the Mishnah? I don't know. Maybe because it's like Torah Shabbat Peh? I don't know. How does the Mishnah know that? Essentially is the question. Ravina Amar says Ravina. Ribu Shiva Mashiach Shavikeh Benayu says Ravina. You know what? You know what? Something that is not ma'akev the Doris is? The Ribu Begadim and the Mashiach. Who could tell me what Ribu Begadim and Mashiach is? What it means is that the Kayan Gadol. There's, well, okay, let's say this. 
when it comes to the Miluim, so there were two ways that Aharon kind of like entered into being the Kohen Gadol. One was that for the seven days during the Shiva Simeon Miluim, Aharon was wearing the eight uh, vestments, the eight clothings of the Kohen Gadol, right? A regular Kohen, Hediot, a regular Kohen, has four articles of clothing, the Michnasayim, the, uh, uh-oh, the Michnasayim, the Ksonis, the Mitznefes, and the Avnet, right? Um, Michnasayim were these like, I don't know, I guess like underwear, I guess, but like, you know, just like a, you know, the un- under kind of, uh, garment, uh, like pants kind of thing. And then there was the Ktones, which was, uh, like a tunic, and a hat, and a belt. And then the Kohen Gadol had an additional four vestments. There was the tzitz, there was the me'il, which was this like thing that would, this like blue kind of thing that would go over the tunic. The uh, choshen, with like all the 12 stones. And the, although I guess technically it was 14, right? Because then there was an additional two on the shoulders. And then the um, aphod, the apron. So, so, so during the miluim, so Aharon, he wore these eight garments for seven days. And additionally, he was anointed with the Shemen Amishcha that we learned about Misech Tushkalim. So he was anointed with this anointing oil every single day. So what happens if you have a Kohen Gadol in the future who didn't have these things, right? We saw that the Shemen Amishcha was taken hidden away. So, so what if you have a Kohen Gadol who didn't have Shemun Amishcha for seven days. And he does the Avod on Yom Kippur. Does it work? So, so we say that this is one of the Nafkaminas. Right? Rebu Shiva, Mishicha Shiva, wearing the eight vestments of the Kayan Gadol and also being anointed with this uh, Shemun Amishcha for seven days. Each one of those for seven days. Ika Benayu, that is a Nafkamina. So if you say that anything that's written by the Miluim, is ma'akev by Yom Kippur. Well, if you don't have the Shemun Mishcha for seven days and the Rebbe Begadim wearing the eight garments for seven days. So if you don't, so, so it says by the Miluim that Aharon did that. He had, he wore the garments for seven days and he, uh, got anointed for seven days. So according to the Mandarma that says that anything written by the Miluim must be done by Yom Kippur. So if you have a Kohen Gadol who did not have Rebbe Begadim and Shemun Amishcha for seven days. Well, then the Avodah is Psula. However, the Madamar Dabashain Ma'akva Ladoris, Ma'akva Boyen, Lo Ma'akva Ladoris, Lo Ma'akva. However, if you say, look, something that doesn't have to be done in general for future generations, so it's not Ma'akva by Yom Kippur. Ladoris Minolan to Lo Ma'akva. How do we know that Rebbe Begadim and Shemun Amishcha is not Ma'akva for future generations? The Tanya is we learn in the Brisa. Bechipa Akoyin Hashem Shach Oso Bashimale Yisyado Lechayin Tachasovim. That the Kohen who will be anointed and um, you will fill his hands, all right, Lechayin Tachasovim, in order to be Kohen Gadol under his father Matam Lomer. How come we need this pasuk? That's a pasuk in the context of Yom Kippur. Question is why? Why do we need a pasuk to say that the Kohen Gadol is going to do the Avodah? We already know it's pretty clear from the context of the Psukim that we're talking about the Avodah Zarah. Why do we need? The, whoa, that we're talking about the Kohen Gadol. Why do we need the pasuk to say 
that is talking about the Kippur Akoye and Hashim Shachos of Hashim Alis Yado, Lechayin Tachzov, that is specifically talking about the Kohen Gadol. So the Gemara answers, Lefishinema, because the Pasuk says, Shivas Yom Yobesham Akoyin Tachtov Mibonov. Well, the Pasuk says, when describing in Pashas Tetzaveh what will be during the uh, days of the Miluim, it says, Shivas Yom Yobesham Akoyin Tachtov Mibonov, that for seven days, the Kohen Aharon will wear the um, vestments. In the other Nisraba, Shiva Vinimshach Shiva. So all I know is that a Kohen Gadol is a kosher Kohen Gadol if he wears the garments for the seven day period and also has uh, Shemana Mishcha. The Gemara is going to ask in a second, how do you know Shemana Mishcha? It only mentions the, se- the, the eight garments in that Pasuk of Peseder. Nisraba Shiva Vinimshach Yomechod, Nisraba Yomechod Vinimshach Shiva Minayin. How do I know that even if you have a Kohen Gadol who wore the eight garments for a week, but did not necessarily have Shemana Mishcha for a week? Or what if he had Shemana Mishcha for a week, but he didn't necessarily have the seven begotten for a week? Minayin, how do we know that even that is acceptable? Tamudoma, therefore the Pasuk says, Therefore we have that second, that we, therefore we have that initial pasuk of v'chipra akoyin ashim shach osov ashim alis yado, and it doesn't say anything about seven days per se, to say that even if you don't have seven days of both, still, you could be a kosher kohen gadol. So we see that ribu begadim and mishicha for seven days is not something that's ma'ak of the doris, so that would be something that would be a nafkamina also between these two opinions of Everything that's written is Ma'akev versus only things that are Ma'akev. Vidar is Ma'akev. Ashkechon riboy shiva lechatchila, mishicha shiva lechatchila minalan. So we, we, so we see in the pasuk of shiva siyam yobashim akoyin tachtum ibanov that riboy begadim, that, that, that a new coin gadol should wear the eight garments for seven days. We see that, we see that in the pasuk. But mishicha shiva lechatchila minalan, how do we know that you should be anointed for seven days as well? So you buy same with the itzuch kalim uta. Well, one way to explain it is from the fact that we needed a pasuk to specifically exclude, right? To specifically say that even if it's just one day, it's enough. So that implies that really the chatechila should be seven days. So that's one way to understand it. Vibai say more if you want. I'll say don't recall the pasuk says that the clothing, the garments, the holy garments that are to aharin. Should be to his children afterwards, lemashchavam, to anoint them, ulamali bamesyadam, and to fill, fulfill their hands. So ishkas meshicha leriboy. So we use the word of meshicha in the context of of uh, of uh, these all these garments. Ma riboy shiva meshicha shiva. Just like riboy um, begadim, it's clear from the pesukim that we're talking about eight uh, seven days. So also the meshicha um, using this anointing oil, um, ideally should be for seven days. Fact the gemara. So the Manda Amaru says that anything that's written by the Miluim is Ma'akev, must be done, and if you skip it, it's a problem. So according to that opinion, why? So Amr Bitzchak Barbisna says so Bitzchak Barbisna. So he came up a whole bunch of times in Mesech Tashkalim, which is interesting. So the Pazik says, well, you'll do to Aharon and his children like this. Like this means 
exactly like this. And if you don't do it exactly like this, it's a problem. Well, the Miluin was written in the Torah twice. It's written in the Torah in Sefer Shmos and Pashas Titzaveh. And over there, the Torah describes what will be during the Shiva Sima Miluin. And then, it actually describes the Bishas Maise at the time that it happens in, 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 in Parshas Tzav. Right? At the time that they're going to do it. So then the Torah, again, in Parshas Tzav and in Sefer Vayikra, the Torah describes the Miluim. So now this Pasuk where it says Kacha, what does the Pasuk say? Vasisa Lahar Nulvan of Kacha. That's written in Sefer Shmos, in Parshas Tzav. So when it's describing what will be in the Miluim. So says the Gemara, fine. So I understand anything that's written in Parshas Tetzav is Ma'akev. But what about the things that are written in Parshas Tetzav? In Sefer Vayikra? And as Rashi points out, for example, putting the Urim Vitumim into the Choshen. How do we know that that would also be Ma'akev? Doesn't say Kacha over there. So Amr of Nachum Bayitzchak says of Nachum Bayitzchak Yolav Pesach Pesach. So we have a Gzeir Shave that it says Pesach in Pashas Tzav and it says Pesach in Pashas Tzav. So therefore, just like by Pashas Tzav it says Kocha and everything is Ma'akiv, so also by Pashas Tzav everything is Ma'akiv. Sounds good to me. Rav Mashashu Amr Ushmaitem is Meshmeres Hashem Ikuva. Rav Mashashu says you don't need the Gzeir Shave. It says Ushmaitem is Meshmeres Hashem. The guard, you'll guard the guarding of the Ebishter. That's written in Pashas. Tzav, Sefer Vayikra B'Shas Maise, at the time that they're going to do the Miluim, so so that from the word Ushmartem to guard, that means yeah, you have to guard every single detail, um, and 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 everything is Ma'akev. Ravashi Amar Kichen Suvesi Ikuva. Ravashi says, well, in the context of in Parshas Tzav, it says Kichen Suvesi. So I have been commanded. So. Um, uh, this is how I've been commanded, and this is how we have to do it. All right, very good, and everything is ma'akiv. Vaiter tonu abonu kichen tsuvesi kasher tsivesi kasher tsivahashem. What's going on? We have three psukim. One says, "As I was commanded," in pual. One says, "Tsivesi." What's tsivesi? I think that would be pl, right? And then the other one says, "Kasher tsivahashem," as the Abishter commanded. So, so what are we? What, what are these three psukim? As Rashi points out, does it say every single time Moshe says the commandment? Does it say, "And this is how I've been commanded"? How come we're specifically saying this? Remember that from Masechet Psachim, that when it came to the Miluim, so there were all these um, korbanos, and the thing is that Nadav and Aviu had just died, and they and they were owning him. Now. A Kohen Gadol who's an Odin is allowed to do the Avod and the Besamikdash, but he's not allowed to eat the Korbanis. Now, so it says, So Moshe tells them, look, I've been commanded by God that even though you're Onins, in this particular case, by these special Korbanos that you are offering, because it's the Chanukah Mishkan, you can even eat them. It's a one-off exception. Because Kachesha. 
So it's a one-off exception, but Aninus Yochalua, you can even eat it as Oninim. Kasher Tzivesi Mishas Maise, Omerloid. Kasher Tzivashem Velo Me'ela Ani Omer. And as God commanded it, I'm not making this up. So meaning, so the next two ones of Kasher Tzivesi and Kasher Tzivis, uh, Tzivashem, so that was talking about, then remember, if you remember from Masechta Psachim, there was a Korban Chatos that they offered that day that they burnt. Now in general, Korban Chatos, the Kwanim eat it. However, this Korban Chatos, which was the Korban of Rosh Chodesh, because it was the first of Nisan, they completely burnt it. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, hey, why are you burning it? Kichen Tzivesi, I commanded you that you should eat, even though you're owning him. You should be eating these korbanis. And then he says, Kasher Hashem, that I didn't make this up, God told me this. But as we know from Masech Tepsachim, and as Rashi points out, Moshe actually made a mistake. And while the other korbanis that Moshe Rabbeinu said, that you can eat it, and that I've been commanded to eat it, that you should eat it, even as an onen, the menachis that they were bringing that day, even the korban of, of, of Nachshim ben Aminadov, who was the first of the Nassim to offer, those things they can eat as onens, because those were exceptions. Those were kachay shah, those were special korbanos that they were bringing as part of the Hanukkah HaMishkan. Those they were able to eat as onens. However, the this this um, this uh, korban chatas that they were bringing was a regular korban Rosh Chodesh. And regular korbanos in Onin does not eat. And because they were Onins, they could not eat it, so they burnt it. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, why did you burn it? I was commanded from God. I didn't make it up. You should be eating it, to which Aharon explained that, yes, but this is just a regular korban. And even though in Onin, even though a Kohen Gadol who is in Onin can offer a korban, a Kohen Gadol who is in Onin cannot eat the korban. And that is why we burnt it. Okay. I'm Reb Yossi, Reb Hanina, says Reb Yossi Hanina, Okay, so when it says by the miluim, it doesn't say anything about them putting on the michnasayim, these pants that were part of the vestments of the kohanim. Kishu'omu, when the puzzle says, Vizeadava shirtai seloim, Nikadish osom, Nikhain doave michnasayim vasiyo seifa. So when the Pasuk says, Vizadava Shatai Siloim, so there's that extra vav, right? So this is a Pasuk in Pashas Titzava, in Pashas Titzava, when it talks about all of the Begadim of the Kohen Gadol, so when it talks about, and the Kohanim in general, so when it talks about all the Big Day Kahuna, so there, of course, it mentions the Michnasayim, and then when it describes the, uh, 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 of the Miluim, also in Pashas Titzava, so it says, Vizadava Ashatai Siloim, the Kadesh Osam, the and this and, right, the vav is mosif, it's adding, and this is what you should do to them in order to make them holy to serve in the mishkan. So the vav, the extra vav, is lavya michnasayim, to include the michnasayim, which are written in the earlier parsha, you know, in an earlier uh, discussion in parsha's titzave. Vasir sa'efa, as well as the tent of the eifa that we learned about also, Masech Tushkalim, that any kain gadol and any Regular Kohen, when they were first starting to do the Avoda, they would um, bring an Asir Sa'efa, a, uh, a, a flower offering, half in the morning and half in the afternoon. So, so I understand how Vizea Davar includes that the Mikhnasai, that, 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 right, that uh, during the Milum they would wear the Mikhnasai, because it's written there in Pashas Titzavit. How do we know that also they would bring this flower offering? If that's not written there. So, we bring a Gzeir Shava 
because it says ze in the context of Pashas Titzava, where it says Vizadava Shatai Siloy, the Kadishosum, and also Bivizah Korban Ahara Nuvanov Shakuvilashem Asiosa Efa. And the Pazik says that and this Vizeh is the Korban of Aharon and his children, that they will offer the tenth of an Efa. So it says Zeh both by the Asiosa Efa as well as by in Pashas Titzave. So just like uh in Pashas Titzave uh, so, so to say that also by Titzave, which we said Vizeh no, not to, yes, in Parshas Titzav, in the context of what will be during the Miluim, it says Vizeh, so that's how we know that even by the Miluim, there was also this Asirsa Eifa, because it says Vizeh by the Asirsa Eifa, and it says Vizeh by the description of the Miluim in Parshas Titzav. Omer B'yochanan M'shem M'shem Ben Yochai, M'nan Sha'af Mikro Parshem Ha'akev, says Rabbi Yochanan, how do you know that even, like, actually verbally reading this Parsha uh, of, of describing the Miluim has to be done? That the Kayan has to do that. Which is interesting. That this is the davar that God commanded that even speaking it is ma'akev. Alright. Fine. Now the Gemara wants to know how did Moshe adorn Aharon and his children with the priestly vestments? The Gemara says, who cares? Whatever happened, happened. Like, why, why is this important? So the Kate said, Malbishan lost the Well, no, we want to know in the future, how will the Kohanim wear their garments? So the Gemara says, again, who cares? In the future, guess what? We'll have Aharon, Tobitriya Samesim, Aharon will be Darin, his children will be Darin, Moshe Rabbeinu will be Darin. And don't know what to do. No, so the Gemara says, what we want to know is that the, 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 the psukim are unclear. And what we want to know is how do we resolve the psukim, the psukim to know what was the order in which the garments were adorned. What does this mean? That there's takamachlokas between the children of Rabbiya and the children of Rabbi Yochanan. We're going to see what the Psukim are in a second. One opinion is that first Aharon put on his garments, and then after Aharon put on all of his garments, or really after Moshe put all of the garments on Aharon, then afterwards Moshe put all the garments on his children. And the other way to understand it is that no, it all happened all at once. We'll have to explain what that means exactly. Everyone agrees that when it comes to the uh, uh, kitones, that like initial tunic that they would wear, and the mitznefes and the hat, first Aharon put on his, you know, his garments, and then afterwards his children put on their garments. Because both in the um, commandment of it in Pashas Tzav, as well as the actual doing in Pashas Tzav, Aharon came first with regard to all those. However, the question is regarding the belt that they wore. The opinion which is that first Aharon put on his belt, and then afterwards his children put on their belt. As the puzzle says, as the puzzle says, that first he put on his belt, and then afterwards they put on their belt. 
And what and the opinion who says that they all put on at the same time, the the says that you will put on their belt them, all of them together. Fine. What does this mean practically? So if you say that first Aharon and then his children, so it means that Aharon first put on all of his garments, and he put on his belt, you know, at some uh, you know at some point as part of putting on all of his garments. But you know, he, he basically put on all eight of his garments. Then after he put on all eight of his garments, then there, then his children, or really, I guess after Moshe put all eight of the garments on Aharon, then Moshe put on all four of the garments on each of his children. So first Aharon, whatever order he did it, and then his children. But if you say that everybody did it at once, it means that Aharon put on all of the seven out of eight garments, but he waited, he left the belt for the end, and then the children put on three out of their four garments, and then everybody then together put on their Belt. So that would mean that's what it would mean altogether, or right. So if, if if basically the belt waited for last, and then Moshe put on the belt on all of them at the same time, or maybe it means that no, first a and then his children. Meaning a put on all of his garments and whatever order he had to do it, and then whenever he was done, then they started putting on the garments on the children. Now according to the Mandarim who says that Moshe Rabbeinu put on the belt all at the same time. What about the fact that we have one Pasuk that says, that first Moshe put the belt on Aharon, and only afterwards it says that Moshe put the belt on the children. So that the, the, this uh, Amora, whether it's the Bnei Rebchia or Rabbi Yochanan, they would answer, what these psukim are teaching that first it was Aharon and then his children, what it's saying is that there was a difference between the belt of Aharon and the belt of his children. The belt of Aharon was made out of um, uh, treles, sheish, right? It was shotness. There was linen and, and, and wool together and that was okay in the belt of Aharon. But his children didn't have that fancy belt and they had a belt that was not shotness. So, according to this opinion, um, Aharon and his children they're, they, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu put on their belt at, at the same time. And the psukim that says first Aharon and then his children, that's just to say that their belt was different. That Aharon's belt was shotness, whereas his children's was not. Now, according to the opinion, it says that first Aharon put on, that Moshe first put the belt on Aharon and then afterwards his children, i.e., Aharon put on all of his garments first and only then. Did they get started with the children's? But what about the puzzle that says that you, that they put on all of their belts, i.e., all at the same time? So according to this opinion, what that puzzle is saying is the opposite, which is that yeah, when it says that you put them all on at the same time, what it's saying is that it's the same belt that just like Aharon's belt was. Shadnez, also his children's belt was Shadnez, but in terms of the order of putting it on, first Aharon put on all of his garments, and only afterwards did they get started with the rest of his children. Fine. But then continues, how come it says first he put on his, and then, right, they put on his, and then theirs, to say that it's one and then the other. But how exactly, technically, physically speaking, can you put on a belt on five people all at the same time? 
So, no, what it means is that it was one after the other, but all at the same time. Meaning, as opposed to, if you say it was one after the other, it means that Aharon first put on all of his uh, garments, including the belt, and only then did they get started with the Michnasayim of the children. Whereas if you say that everybody did it all together, it means that everyone saved the belt for last, and then at the same sort of time, everyone put on their belts, but not necessarily at the same exact time, but one after the other, but without any other kind of interruptions in between. Chavra, that was Lafhei of Mesechta Yoma. I hope you enjoyed it very much. What were the discussions on today's daf? Um, let me find it. Oh my gosh, we're really working through this notebook as well. Um, okay, so the first Amur of the daf really discussed these different nafkaminas of things that are um, not ma'akiv the daros and uh, you know and and if they would be ma'akiv for Yom Kippur. So what are examples of things that are not ma'akiv the daros? So Rav Yosef said smicha leaning on a korban is not ma'akiv the daros. So Nachum Bar Yitzchak says. Tanufa, waving your korban is not ma'akiv l'dar. So Papa says quarantining of the coin gadol is not, or uh, yeah, quar- yeah, quarantining is not something that is ma'akiv l'dar. So if, as we know from the backup coin, just in case the coin gadol is, uh, gets a psul, so the backup coin um, will do the avoda even though he didn't quarantine. And Ravina says that um, the seven days of wearing the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol slash um, uh, being anointed by the Shemana Mishra is also something that is not Me'akev in future generations. Um, and then, sort of, we got into some technical things. And at the end, we had this machlokus between Rabbi Yochanan and Bnei Reb about the order that they would put on the Avnate, the belt, uh, during the Miluim. One opinion is that uh, first, Aharon would put on all eight of his garments and then only afterwards would they get started with the children. The other opinion is that no, everybody would put on their garments and save the belt for last and everyone put on the belt at the same time. Hey, of Masech Yoma, I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great day. Peace.